Man, start your engines. Uh, you're coming out about. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. I'm not a crook. If you like your health care plan, you'll be able to keep your health care plan. Listening to Jim Paris Live, your source for the latest news on money, politics, prophecy, and preparedness. And now, your host, the editor in chief of ChristianMoney.com and the author of more than 30 books, Jim Paris. All right, hello, everybody. Welcome to the broadcast. Great to have you with us. Happy Sunday night. Uh, I had a fantastic weekend again, um, spent the whole weekend doing stuff up in St. Augustine, which is about 30 minutes from my house. And I just love it up there. And there's so much to do, so many great places to visit, restaurants, uh, tourist attraction type things, museum type things, and just some beautiful scenery. One of the most beautiful cities really in the world, folks. If you haven't visited, you've got to do that. All right. A lot to get into tonight. Of course, the big news is no Trump indictment this week, and I'm not really sure what's going on. You know, I I thought for sure the indictment was coming and Trump was embracing it. He was even announcing the indictment was going to uh, take place on Tuesday. He was going to be arrested. None of that happened. And I'm kind of wondering if the powers that be realized that in the end, uh, Trump was going to be able to leverage this uh it it certainly seems like a very politically motivated prosecution and maybe in the end they analyzed uh the the consequences and i'm not sure what's going to happen i mean how does this this case can't just disappear we don't really know what's going to happen maybe it's just delayed uh trump holds a huge rally in waco texas this weekend uh, apparently massive crowds and, uh, in Trump style, he goes to McDonald's afterwards <laughs> to celebrate. So that brings back memories, doesn't of Bill Clinton, Bill Clinton eating McDonald's on his campaign bus. Uh, but that's, um, a little bit of a throwback uh, to Bill Clinton, but people love that sort of every man, uh, aspect of Donald Trump, uh, that he still does. Uh, hit the McDonald's uh, despite, you know, having all the money that he has. He chooses to eat at McDonald's. I haven't been to McDonald's in forever. Uh, I've heard there's a lot of things going on at McDonald's. One of my relatives eats there a lot. And I understand there's some kind of an app now where you can get 20% off if you're part of the app deal and all kinds of healthier options. I don't know. Uh, The McDonald's that's by my house is right off of Interstate 95. And there's always a huge line just a massive line of cars. And so I just, I don't want to wait in line like that. So I don't go. Uh, But speaking of that, uh, people are still having trouble, uh, business owners getting workers and places like McDonald's, not just McDonald's, but really all over. So being up in St. Augustine, as I am several times each week, there's all the help wanted signs are up there and, and they can't get workers. And I've been asking a lot of people different opinions about this. You know, why can't McDonald's get people? You know, why can't Wendy's get people? Uh, Wendy's raised their prices last year, like 33%, uh, because I guess they had to pay more money for the food, but also more, more money to get workers and businesses can't get workers. And I've been scratching my head 
trying to figure this out. Why can't businesses get workers? And I think I've got a theory on this um, that, that I think is probably the reason. Um, and I know people have said it's because of COVID money and all of that. And that's probably that was true, I think, when the COVID money was still flowing. But I think for the most part, that money has dried up the COVID money. Um, so I've got a different theory on this. Um, I have some young people in my family that have gotten all into this gig economy, uh, doing like Uber eats, uh, deliveries. This is where you deliver food and you work for Uber. So people order something and then you go to the restaurant and pick it up and bring it to them. It's kind of an expensive way to get your food because it sort of doubles the price when you add all the fees in, but people want to do that. So there are these gig opportunities. There's DoorDash, there's Uber eats. Then there's this, uh, grocery delivery service called shipped. There's all of these different gig opportunities for people. Um, and these opportunities are growing, you know, driving for Uber, all these things. And so what it's done is it's kind of brought the uh, opportunity of self-employment to people that may not really be cut out to start a business. I mean, think about it. Historically, if you were to start a business, you'd have to come up with an idea. You'd have to save up money. You'd have to do marketing. But if you get into one of these gig type deals, you just basically sign into an app and you just do what they ask you to do. And what the nice thing about it is, is people are making decent money doing these gigs and they also can pick their own hours, which that's worth a lot to people being able to decide when they want to work. And um, younger people, I believe, are flowing more to these gigs and less to the traditional jobs like at the McDonald's and the Wendy's and those kinds of places, which is why I think we're seeing the shortage of workers. I'm curious what you think, uh, you know, chime in, send me an email, Jim at christianmoney.com. Your thoughts on why, uh, we're, we're seeing this, this shift in the economy. It is interesting though, because I read an article this week that the first fully automated McDonald's is now operating and it actually has no workers according to the article. Now I can't believe that can be actually a hundred percent true, because somebody's got to go in this place and put all the food in, right? And and probably take care of the machinery. But maybe what they're saying is just that there's no service people working. That everything is done through automation. And that is really the future. I, I really think it's the future that you could see an entire McDonald's. And maybe there's just one person kind of back behind the scenes, making sure all the robots and the equipment is working. Um, I said to somebody the other day, that's a job. If you could get into restaurant automation and be like an expert on fixing those machines and programming those machines and all of that, uh, that has got to be uh, something that would be in huge demand in the very near future. Okay. So if you're a fan of Dave Ramsey, you may have subscribed to his strategy of using no credit cards. And Dave believes in being debt-free, and I think that's fantastic. The problem, though, is if you're somebody that never uses credit cards, you might end up with a zero credit score. And so I actually had um, an opportunity to work on a situation um, with a client 
And I loved the experience of it uh, because, and they shall remain nameless, but I can just anonymously share their story. They are Dave Ramsey fans, and they had a zero credit score. And they came to me uh, a few months ago and said, hey, can you help us to get a mortgage? And so there is a process through FHA to be able to get a mortgage, even if you have a zero credit score. And I'm happy to report that it all worked out and they were able to, uh, to purchase a home and get a mortgage. And I'm just throwing that out there because I know there's probably a ton of you that are Dave Ramsey fans. And I know Dave, uh, he and I have been acquainted for many years. And uh, if you're somebody that has that zero credit score, get in touch. Uh, it's not just an idea. It's something I actually did. And if you're somebody with a zero score and you're looking to uh, qualify to get a mortgage to buy a home, uh, let's talk. Uh, send me an email and uh, we can certainly you know, take next steps. Um, it is interesting because many times people think that a zero score is a bad score, but it's not. It's just that the credit scoring algorithm doesn't have enough credit data on you to actually generate a number. So, so there's, it's kind of like if you did a math problem and you put in zero plus zero is zero. It's not, uh, it's not a bad score. It's just that how credit scores are calculated. There has to be a certain sort of minimum threshold of activity to generate a score. So if you don't have a score, you have a zero score, um, or, or just what actually happens is when you pull up the credit report, it just, it shows dashes. It doesn't even show a zero. If you're in that situation, so there's a couple things you can do. You can actually take some steps to quickly get a credit score, but absent that you can get approved for an FHA three and a half percent down mortgage, even if you have a zero credit score. All right. Now, speaking of credit scores and mortgages, and many of you know now from uh, following me on Facebook that I do work in the mortgage industry. And one of the things that I ran up against this week was, and let me, let me digress and say this. So a lot of the mortgage approvals lately, um, it, since I've been back in the industry. So I was in the industry for many years and I got out in about 2009. And so I just got back in about a year ago. So one of the big differences between, as I say, back in the day and, and present day is mortgages now are mostly approved through automation. And this is uh, through like an artificial intelligence portal that we call automated underwriting, or sometimes it's called desktop underwriting. And what's interesting about this process where really a computer, <laughs> a computer software program decides if you get the mortgage or not. Uh, it's interesting because sometimes when people get turned down, the lender can't really explain why, uh, they will say strange things to me sometimes like, wow, the computer just doesn't like that person's credit file or the algorithm doesn't like them. And it's kind of mysterious to some extent why sometimes a mortgage application will get approved through automated underwriting or turned down. Sometimes there's not a clear answer. But one of the things that did come up this week, which I thought was very interesting, is 
the idea of just disputing everything negative on your credit, these automated underwriting systems will raise a red flag if you're somebody who uses what I call bad credit repair uh, strategies, which is you've, you've probably seen this years ago and it, it did work. This did work 20, 30 years ago. It worked. You could go on your credit file. You could write a letter. You could dispute every negative item. And if you just kept doing that over and over again, you would eventually chip away and the credit bureaus, because they have to answer within a certain time window, they wouldn't eventually answer all of your disputes and you would end up eventually clearing your credit. So it used to work. Now it doesn't work. Um, it, it only creates problems. And one of the problems is that it sort of makes your credit file look a little bit shady. Uh, and so when you try to get approved for credit, all of these disputes, even if you won the dispute, all of these items in dispute are going to raise a red flag. Now, that doesn't mean you should not dispute items that are legitimately incorrect about you. But one of the things I talk about in my book, Credit Scoring Secrets, is the idea that if an item is negative and it's on your credit report, but it's not reporting new, brand new, you know, fresh information on you, you probably don't need to dispute it because the truth is it's probably not actually affecting your credit score. So we call this waking up the dead in the book. That is, if an item is negative and it's on your credit, but it's not in the last year to 18 months reporting brand new, fresh information on you, then it's probably not affecting your score. And by writing a dispute letter, what you're going to do is wake that item up. You're going to let that old debt collector know that, hey, you're trying to clean up your credit. That's going to probably get them to start reporting again, fresh data on you. And it's probably going to backfire. So this is not a good strategy anyway. But if you want to get more insight on how to repair your credit uh, the proper way, my book is called Credit Scoring Secrets. You can get it on Amazon. And also, if you're somebody that does work with me on a mortgage, that is a situation where I do actually coach people on what they can do to raise their credit score. But just getting in there and disputing everything negative, uh, you know, shotgun approach, not a good idea. Uh, so Elon Musk uh, has made this announcement. Interesting. He says that uh, uh, Twitter is currently valued at $20 billion dollars. And I think that's interesting because I think he paid a lot more than that. Let me let me type it in here. Musk paid, I think, 40 billion. It's let me see here. Uh, yeah, he paid 44 billion. My memory was correct on that. And he's saying that that uh, uh, Twitter is presently valued at 20 billion. So he's a smart guy. Um, he's obviously taking into into account the current stock price and all of that. Um, but. It's still, I mean, it's not publicly traded anymore, but he's probably looking at um, where it would be trading if this, if it was still public in terms of what its profits are, because he did take it private. Um, so he's probably looking at, you know, sort of a, uh, a pro forma uh, projection of what it would be worth if it were on the stock market currently. Uh, but $20 billion uh, is probably a lot more than what most people would say 
just based on its uh, its profit uh, numbers. But one of the key things that Musk did do was he put in place this eight dollar a month check mark blue check mark deal. I got the twenty dollar a month dealy. I I did it, and uh, it's worth it. I'm getting. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of views of this show now when I put it on Twitter. So it's definitely worth it to me. It's uh, eight bucks a month and I'm getting a ton of visibility. I don't know if that's entirely because of the blue check mark that I'm paying for or if it's because uh, my account is no longer shadow banned. <laughs> I'm sure it was shadow banned under the uh, prior regime at Twitter. Uh, but Facebook is promoting something now along these lines. Uh, Facebook is promoting some kind of a new paid service. I, I got a, a message about it. Um, I got, I saw a news story about it. I haven't really looked into it. It looks like they're sort of rolling something new out kind of slowly, but it, it looks similar to Twitter's deal, which is some kind of a, a fee you pay for verification. Uh, and that might give you more visibility. Uh, I don't know. You know, I have over the years paid for Facebook ads and I am finding that I get just as much traction on Facebook just by producing good content that I don't need to pay for Facebook advertising. So it's something I've gotten away from uh, the Facebook advertising. I have in the past bought Twitter advertising. I don't do that anymore either. So, um, you know, I think they're they're trying to reinvent themselves and figure out you know, what is the new business model for social media to make money? And I think most people, um, if you have a business and you're online and you're promoting a business, if you were asked to pay 10 bucks or 20 bucks a month to get some extra visibility or some extra bells and whistles, I think a lot of people would pay that. It's not a big deal. And when you think about, you know, back in the day when I was, I mean, every business I had, I would set aside sometimes as much as one third of each dollar that came in that I would spend on advertising. So with social media and the opportunity for free to get online and promote yourself, if you've got to pay 10 bucks or 20 bucks, something small, I think most people are going to probably do it. Uh, and that is, I think, going to turn a lot of these social media companies uh, very profitable. Now, speaking of social media, they're still talking about this idea of banning TikTok. And a lot of um, like state governments, the federal government. So if you have like a government device, uh, like a, a government uh, smartphone, you might already have had that banned from your phone. Here's the deal, though. TikTok is not going to be banned it, as much as. People would love to see it banned and it's owned by a Chinese uh, corporation, all of that. It's never going to be banned. That's just my opinion on it. I, I don't see that happening. Uh, if if anything happens, TikTok's going to be purchased by some type of a U.S. company. And it very well could be somebody like an Elon Musk. Uh, but it's something that will you'll continue to hear uh, talk about and one of the lamest reasons that I've heard uh, government the government talking about with TikTok is hey if you've got the app on your phone they can hack into your phone and do all kinds of things why is that are you telling me then that any app on my phone 
that people could use that access to my phone to get into my bank account or to do other things to my phone. It sounds to me like we need to come up with a solution to that that applies to all apps. Uh, if that is the reason why we're afraid of TikTok, I'm not a huge TikTok uh, person. I do have an account and I've done a little bit with it just because I'm, I don't know, I'm always looking for new ways to kind of, you know, new channels to get information out. Uh, but uh, I, I just doubt it's going to happen that they're going to ban TikTok. Well, the, the biggest story other than the Trump no indictment is the Federal Reserve. And I have to eat some crow here. I was wrong. Uh, I had said uh, on an earlier broadcast that the Fed was not going to raise rates, that they couldn't do it because of the banking crisis. I was wrong. So they raised rates a quarter point. And my theory on that is I think if they did not raise rates at all, and I think this is what they were thinking, if they didn't raise rates at all, that it might cause a panic in the financial markets, that the financial markets might say, oh, the Fed is scared. This Silicon Valley bank failure, these other two bank failures, this is a really big deal, even bigger than what the financial markets uh, thought it was. We're going to panic. So I think the Fed said, what can we do here to sort of um, react but not react too much? So they did the quarter point raise and then they went out to say they signaled that there would be uh, much less tightening in the future. Uh, but I can tell you this, the banking crisis is not over. Uh, it's maybe wallpapered over right now, but the banking crisis is absolutely not over. So if you're somebody that thinks that that was just an isolated deal, and I personally still have a huge problem with this idea that with the Silicon Valley Bank, which is all of these millionaires and billionaires, that every dollar at that bank was made whole by the FDIC, when that would not apply to you or I or any other bank, that we have insurance limits for a reason. And I mean, if the government's going to step in and say, we're going to insure every dollar at every bank, that's one thing. And, uh, you know, I could probably make an argument for both sides on that. But to pick winners and losers to say that this one bank, we're going to step in and make everybody whole and then not have that as a policy that applies to to all banks. I just think it's wrong. I, I don't think that's that's right. And uh, it makes you wonder why that bank and those depositors got such favorable treatment. And need I remind you that it's West Coast, uh, a very woke bank, a lot of woke projects a lot of woke people and political contributors with money there. And you just see these silly stories where I guess there was uh, one company that had, I don't know, like a hundred million dollars there that would have been lost. And they're like a video game maker that has like potatoes that fight. And that's what their deal is. And this is the kind of silly, goofy things uh, that go on in Silicon Valley and, uh, you know, venture capitalists and all that. And these are smart people. These are investment bankers. These are venture capitalists. They should know you don't put your money uh, at risk in a bank like that. There are other options. You could buy government bonds. You could buy super short-term government bonds. There are things you could do with your money to keep it safe other than depositing it at a bank. And uh, if we're going to have the FDIC rules for you and me, then that should also apply to millionaires and billionaires. Okay, cryptocurrency. So it's starting to happen. 
Uh, Bitcoin is at tw is about twenty eight thousand as we go to broadcast. Uh, so really, what you had was cryptocurrency had the heck beat out of it, and everybody was predicting the end of Bitcoin. It's going to go to five thousand dollars. Maybe it's going to go to zero. All of this nonsense. Here we go. Bitcoin has a nice chart moving up, twenty eight thousand dollars. And then here's the one I am really excited about. Ripple XRP, which I have been talking about for years and years since it was at three cents. I've been talking about Ripple XRP. So last week we mentioned it on the broadcast. It was at 38 cents. And today, as we go live here, um, uh, Ripple is at 45 cents. So that's a nice big move for Ripple. And part of the reason that Ripple is starting to take off right now has a lot to do with the uh, Securities and Exchange Commission lawsuit. So there is a lawsuit that has been going on for years between the SEC and Ripple. And apparently, from everything I'm reading, and I said this months ago, uh, and I was wrong, but it looks like it really is coming to an end, that this case, that Ripple is either going to win or the case is going to be settled. And some of the price projections I have seen for Ripple are as much as $20 for one single Ripple. So it is exciting to think about what your money would do if you put in just a little bit of money. I mean, I'm not saying put the, your life savings in here or bet the farm. I'm just saying that, uh, look, maybe, maybe you put 500 bucks in there. Maybe you put 100 bucks in there. Uh, who knows where Ripple goes uh, but uh, 45 cents up from 38 cents, a nice, strong move. All right, that's all I've got for you this week. Thanks so much for joining me. I am doing a lot more um, in terms of shorter videos that you can see on my Facebook feed. I'm doing a ton of that, almost a video every day. Sometimes uh, there are two videos in a day. So the podcast is a, maybe a little bit shorter, but getting to a lot more news more quickly with shorter video content that you can find on my Facebook page. And now remember, uh, you can always get in touch with me, Jim at ChristianMoney.com. You can follow me on Twitter, James L. Paris, Facebook, James L. Paris, or even better, Christian Money over at Facebook as my Facebook friend count is now maxed out at 5,000. I'm not able to take on any more personal friends, but I do make all of my posts public and you can follow me on, at Christian Money and you'll see almost all of my posts there and I don't have any limits on the number of followers on the Christian Money page. Thanks so much for joining us. Have a great week. So long, everybody.